The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. One, I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt not have strange gods before me. Two, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Three, remember thou, keep holy the Lord's day. This is, of course, is Mesonomics. Riaz and Joan are not in the studios today. They're actually think tanking for Mej.com. We go off once a year for about two months and we look at our whole site, revamp, relook, come up with new concepts. We have a whole agenda we've been planning for over a month or two, and actually the whole year, for how we're going to change it, or improvement rather. We've changed it to perfected where it needs to be now, but there's a lot of things we look forward to to 2012. So Aaron's sitting in for Joan, and we have in front of us the commandments that Ali continue brings up in, to us. She says, are his commandments truly the measure of your life? I am warning you again. Sounds severe. What is she warning us of? That the commandments 
be the true measure of your life. August 25th, 2001. Our says, be real with yourself and do not bind yourselves to material things, but to God. And do not forget, little children, that your life is as passing as a flower. What does that mean? Material things are bringing us down? They're not important? Just 15 short days after this message, we had a judgment against us. 9-11, September 11th, 2001. Do you think our lady was referring to that? Be real with yourself. Do not bind yourselves to material things, but to God. And do not forget, little children. In other words, you're about to see this. Something's about to happen. She goes on and says, that your life is as passing as a flower. Instantly, life was snuffed out. Instantly, life was changed across the whole world. We still have repercussions of that event now, today, worldwide. Every time you go to an airport, every time you listen to the news, every time you read something, 9-11 opened the door to that. But who opened the door to that? Are his commandments truly the measure of your life? I am warning you again. Why'd she say this? Because the first three commandments pertain to God. The rest of the seven pertain to us. First, I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt not have strange gods before me. Two, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord God in vain. Three, remember, thou keep holy the Lord's day. And we go forth. Honor thy father and mother. Five, thou shalt not kill. Six, thou shalt not commit adultery. And seven, thou shalt not steal. Eight, thou shalt not bear false witnesses against thy neighbor. Nine, thou shalt not covet the neighbor's wife. And ten, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. But the one that we miss here the third, the last of the pertaining to God, remember thou keep holy the Lord's day. How does your life measure up to that? How is it that's the day of commerce, the day of forgetting God, the day of leaving what all God has shown us, a reflection of worship? Do we truly live this commandment? How does your life measure to that commandment? It's the one that fragrantly is abused, ignored, rationalized, no big deal, by the church, by Christians, from the pulpit, not all the way from the top, all the way down throughout the whole church. We've forgotten the holy day, the Lord's day. The Sabbath, as it was known in Jewish days and times, and what it became known in our time, in the early church, the Lord's day. Don't think for a moment our father is not connected to this. It's directly connected. Mesonomic is connected to this violation of this commandment. We don't keep it. And people say, oh, I just go to Mass. No, you can't go to a restaurant and pay somebody else to work for you if you're not supposed to be working. You expect them to lead their family? You expect them to be there at your service? And yet you're going to keep it? But you're willing to go out and not make the sacrifice and be at home? 
and have other people working for you. Be real with yourself. Don't lie anymore. I'm warning you, Ali says. That's pretty severe for the mother of God to say that. In October 25th, 1993, you talk, but you do not live. That is why the children of this war is lasting so long. 9-11, started war, we're still in it. But not only that, the fall of the culture. In the same message of October 25th, 1993, L.A. goes on and says, I love you and I wish to protect you from every evil. A few days after 9-11, L.A. talked about evil. Wants to show a shameful face. Face. I told 2593, I love you and I wish to protect you from every evil, but you do not desire it. I cannot help you if you do not live God's commandments. May 25th, 2010. Love God above everything and live his commandments. In this way, your life Rather, your life will have meaning and peace will rule on the earth. It's that simple. We don't have peace in the world today because we don't have his commandments. And the Muslims aren't excused. The Jews aren't excused. The Christians aren't excused. All three of the great monolithic religions all adhere to the same commandments. Do you get that? If they do it, the others do it, and then we do it, peace will rule on the earth. How come that we're divided? How come we're separated? I tell you, it hinges on that third that connects those about God, number three, to the other seven. We've abused it. We've ignored it. And we suffer all because of it. Do you realize the church teaches that if you don't go to Mass on Sunday, that you've committed a mortal sin? Do you realize that if you commit a mortal sin and you're unrepentant, you go to hell? Do you realize that if you repent it, you have to confess it? Don't think, oh, I just missed Sundays. No big deal. I just run it and nonchalant do it. It has to be sincere repentance. It has to be a tear with that, at least of the heart. We're in the trouble we're in directly related to not keeping the Lord's day holy. And from there, we fail all the other commandments. We go weak. Oh, you think, what's the big deal? I'm just going to go get ice cream on Sunday. It weakens you. I'll never kill. I won't commit adultery. I won't steal. The Sabbath commandment is so simple, so little, so minute. What's the big deal? What's the big deal about removing one little thread from a handkerchief? Just throw a handkerchief. And then another later, and then another and another. What happens then? It will tear. It becomes weak. And even the first thread removed weakens. The other thousand threads is there. It's one less. I tell you, Christian out there, you aren't living Sundays the way you're supposed to. The way defined in, look what happened while you're sleeping. You're the cause of this. I'm the cause of it because I violated it. Even in community, after I asked for this community, it took six or seven years of prayer to discover this. And then a lot of resolve to institute it that we would protect the Lord's day. 
So all your woes, all your troubles, everything you're suffering from is directly connected to this. Until you change that, don't expect change to be happy. You can have all the silver in the world. You can have all the money in the world. It's to no good for you. There's nothing you can use it for. Look at Greece. What happens to a nation when it begins to crash? What happens to its people? I just got to reading our GDP on the United States is equal to our debt. In other words, what you produce on your, gradual, your gradual, uh, gross national product and then your debt is the same, you're not gaining. In other words, you're a zero. You're broke. What comes in goes out. There's no extra money. That's where Greece was a couple, three years ago. Now where's Greece? Blighted economically. Look across the sea, America. Italy, France, Germany, Russia. Look at Greece. If you want to see where we're headed. Nikos and Alexandria of Greece, both are 31 years of age. They both had jobs. They're both college graduates. As Greece blighted economy began to crash, they realized they needed to exit it. Many Greeks are now fleeing the countries to the countryside, looking to the nation's rural past to guide the future. Nicholas and Alexander acknowledged that their particular undertaking of moving caused them much more labor than what they're used to as college graduates. They'd never imagined to be able to do that, or that they would have to do that. Because a country starved by austerity and is teetered on the brink of default, they think it's a good gamble now. I quote them. They say, when I call my friends and relatives in Athens from the countryside, they tell me there's no hope. Everything is going from bad to worse. Alexandra said one afternoon as she walked to her greenhouse, how do you think she feels? Nicholas says that young people frequently come to him and say, I have two acres from my grandfather's in such and such place. Can I do something with it? A growing number of Greeks are asking themselves that question. Some are deciding they can do something. I think a lot of people will do this, Alexander said. In big cities, there's no future for them. For young people, the only choice for them is to go to the countryside or go, to, go abroad. Another person in Greece says, I have three sons. One is a civil engineer, one an electrical engineer, another a manager. To make ends meet, we all spend less. She said of her husband, who's also retired, no job, all college graduates. All going to have to scrounge their, their, their livelihood out of the soil. What does this tell you? We're not going to change living the Lord's day correctly as a culture. So the culture's doomed. It's got a judgment against it. It's got the example of 9-11. You say, oh, well, pe- innocent people are in there. This is not about innocent people. This is about a judgment that affects innocent people. King Herod cast a judgment on the children of, Abraham, of, of Bethlehem. The innocent died. The innocent always died. There were probably some bad people that died in 9-11. There were some good people that died in 9-11. Some perhaps went straight to heaven, some to purgatory, some straight to hell. Doesn't change the judgment, the judgment against the system 
a judgment that we're binded to materially that says, do not do that. Do not forget that your life is passing as a flower. Just days before that happened. And yes, historically, this message is tied to that. But because messages have life, it continues to speak of us today. So we have to put it only in the historical context. Only in the historical context. It tells us some things about past, but this message is just as much as alive for 9-11 back then as it is today for your 9-11. Look what's facing you. Why is it facing you? Are you living the commandments? We've got to wake up. We've got to realize. We've got to live his commandments. The Muslims have to live the commandments. The Jews have to live the commandments. Love thy neighbor. Pretty good commandments all three religions. I think we could get along with that. But I tell you, it's tied to keeping holy the Lord's day. The small thread. The little commandment. The smallest one. The easiest one to violate. Because it's not really a big deal. It used to be a big deal in culture when it prospered. They wouldn't even go fishing on Sundays. They felt they were doing something profane. They felt just as serious about working or doing something they shouldn't be doing as if they blasphemed God. They profaned that commandment. We have profaned the third commandment of God. And so all these words make sense. Five little words. I am warning you again. What? Are his commandments truly the measure of your life? So Aaron's got a story we'll read about a family who, in the 1950s, traveled across different places of the world and how they lived their year. The Land Without a Sunday Our neighbors in Austria were a young couple, Baron and Baroness K. They were getting increasingly curious about Russia and what life there was really like. One day, they decided to take a six-weeks trip all over Russia in their car. This was in the time when it was still possible to get a visa. Of course, at the border, they were received by a special guide who watched their every step and did not leave them for a moment until he deposited them safely again at the border. But they still managed to get a good first-hand impression. Upon their return, they wrote a book about their experiences, and when it was finished, they invited their neighbors and friends to their home in order to read some of their work to them. I shall always recall how slowly and solemnly Baron K. read us the title, The Land Without a Sunday. Of all the things they had seen and observed, one experience had most deeply impressed them, that Russia had done away with, the sa- with Sunday. This had shocked them even more than what they saw of Siberian concentration camps, or of the misery and hardship in cities and country. The absence of Sunday seemed to be the root of all the evil. Instead of Sunday, Baron K. told us, the Russians have a day off. This happens at certain intervals which vary in different parts of the country. First, they had a five-day week with a six-day off. Then they had a nine-day work period with a tenth day off. Then again, it was an eight-day week. What a difference between a day off and a Sunday, 
the people work in shifts. With one group, while one group enjoys a day off, the others continue to work in the factories or on the farms or in the stores, which are always open. As a result, the overall impression throughout the country was that of incessant work, work, work. The atmosphere was one of constant rush and drive. Finally, we confessed to each other that what we were missing most was not a well-cooked meal or a hot bath, but a quiet, peaceful Sunday with church bells ringing and people resting after prayer. Big bad Russia. They're going to deny the Lord's day. They're going to erase it. Five days off six. Let's don't say six days and have the seventh off. Let's jump to eight days. So work six, seven days and then the eighth off. Or jump to the ninth day. Let's go to a ten-day week. None of it worked. They increased the work. And I'm not just going by the story. I know about, about reading. Read history. Everything at Whitewire. The people were in lines for, for their monthly ration. They got two pounds of fat back for the month. Long lines. They worked more. They worked harder. At least the communist regime thought they did. They, they were slothful in a lot of ways. But they produced less. When you violate the Sabbath, when you violate the Lord's Day, you get less. You don't get more. You think, well, if I work seven days, it's going to be better than six. Not true. Seven days, six days are more, can produce more fruit than seven days. You think, okay, Satan deceives you. We can be open or we can do this. And we make more profit on Sunday than any other day of the week. Well, of course the devil's going to do that. What about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? You start losing then. And Saturday, that's where you lose your profits. You don't get ahead. And so we had big bad Russia doing this. What makes our nation and other places and nations any different? Have we not changed to seven-day weeks? Have we not changed? Well, you see it. People close on Mondays now. Because they're chasing the dollar, not God. Chase God, not the dollar. Sunday is his day, not Monday. Well, I'll make more money on, on Sundays than I do Monday. You want to make more profit? Then close on Sundays. It ain't how much you make, it's how much profit you make and how much peace you have. So we've lost peace. We've lost the way. Peace can't rule on the earth while we violate this. And everything's weak. Frank? Yeah, this is um, when we first started doing Imaginomics. And this was something that was revealed to me about what Our Lady was saying about Matthew 6 um, in, the, in the reading that we read every Thursday that she asked us to read. Um, you cannot serve God and money. Sundays. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things will be yours besides. That's how it starts and ends. And Sundays. And I've noticed as people call us, people that have read these first three major writings, How to Change Your Husband, I See Fire, and Look What Happened While You're Sleeping, it very much clears the way to understand uh, the most recent writing. It ain't going to happen. And also people that 
struggle tremendously with this. Uh, you know, can you give me other readings that, you know, what, what other books, you know, would help me understand this? And really, I say the most important books for our time are the books that a friend of Medjugorje wrote. And these are going to help you see these things. Um, and, uh, and so I see, and, and I can understand there's a lot of difficulty when it comes to something that you've been used to doing and something that seems to make sense and something everybody else is doing to radically change that. And you also have the issues of sometimes the penalty that you have to pay in terms of retirement and then um, taxes that people are worried about. And someone said to me the other day, and of, of course, we're so busy because of these writings and because of the fruits of the mission and, and the fruits of what Caritas produces. And so, you know, somebody called me and said, a friend of Medjugorje seems like this is very much a sense of urgency that, that he feels something's going to happen very soon. And, um, and he takes this very seriously. You know, um, he understands your walk and, and what you've done. And, uh, I said, well, the fact is it's just not risk-reward favorable. The Bible says unequal weights and measures are an abomination to the Lord. What does that mean? It means when it, there's paper backed by nothing, um, it favors a few, and you're in that paper system so they can use you and, and eventually take everything you have. That's the purpose that everyone's in 401Ks, that we went from the big company taking care of the employee until they die, to now the employee taking care of themselves. Or, so the masses are all in there. Well, the purpose is, is so they can take your money. Unequal weights and measures are abominable because if you know where the markets are going to go, and Jim Sinclair just wrote something. There's two very good articles on King World News. And Jim Sinclair, you know, no one trusts the markets anymore. If, uh, and he said, you know, they're being run by sociopaths. And then John Embry, in his article... Silver will be 100 to 150 in 12 to 24 months, is saying how, and he says, this will be a horrific year for those that believe the system is going to be status quo, or those that are complacent right now. It's going to be horrific. Is that, uh, you're saying Jim Sinclair, is that, uh, does he write Seeking Alpha? Um, he wrote an article, Bankers, Precious Metals, and MF Global? I don't know if that was Jim Sinclair. It says, it's, it's, it's signed by J.S. Kim. I read it. It was... Uh, oh, no, that was... A, yeah, I read that as well. Um, I'm going to quote but, from this. As several quotes, I just... The article's too long, but I want to just read this. And especially, in particular, for people who've asked about the silver that they bought, and now the price is lower, and it's just staying there that this will give you an understanding that you hold on to it. You, you keep it, and you don't, you're not buying this for speculation. You're wrong to have it, buying it to have a strong hand. But if you'll listen to this carefully, you'll see the manipulation and what's happened and where you are and give you confidence in the state of course. But he writes, Did bankers use the MF Global bankruptcy to suppress gold and silver prices and create a panicked appearance of collapsing precious metals to give them additional precious time to delay the crash of the euro and the U.S. dollar. Given that today's futures and spot prices for gold and silver in the short term are entirely set by banker manipulation of the supply and demand of paper derivatives that often have no backing or physical metal, in other words, paper, 
selling and buying your silver and gold through paper, saying you own 10,000 ounces or 10 ounces, it's fake. There's nothing backing it up. He goes on and writes, Bankers created the futures market and paper derivatives in gold and silver to kill free markets for the express purpose of suppressing gold and silver prices. Why did they do that? Because if you run towards silver and put your money in that, in this case, what we teach here to have a dual purpose to bring conversion through the miraculous metal measure go around that we struck, one out silver piece, hold it in your hands. In other words, you buy it. You don't buy it on paper. Have it and keep it. Store your means that you have into that. They don't want you to do that because you're forsaking the dollar and going to something that intrinsically has value. The bankers make their money on paper, on the dollar bill, or on what they sell falsely. And in this case, fake paper and gold and silver the bankers created. Bankers ensured by doing this that paper derivatives backed by very little physical gold and silver to their clients as the equivalent of investing 99.999 pure physical gold and silver. So they've deceived everybody thinking that when you sell these 500 million ounces a day, which we don't mind, but 700 million ounces for a whole year, the whole world, do you get that? 500 million ounces are sold a day on paper. When we only mine 700, physical, 700 million physical ounces per year, it's nothing there. So Jim goes on and writes, In doing so, the worker bees, that's the people who are selling these things, those who he's referring to, which I edited that out, but the worker bees are people who are, are marketing this and selling the derivatives, thereby lured people all over the world into what would turn out to be the fatal mistake of not buying millions of Tory ounces of physical gold and silver and instead buying their offerings of fool's gold and fool's silver. Perfect wording. This is all it is. It doesn't exist. Bankers invented fake paper gold and silver contracts because they knew that if they could not fulfill contractual obligations, in other words, all the paper that they sold, the hundreds and thousands of ounces, hundreds of millions of ounces, they can't deliver it. So they did it because they knew they could not fulfill contractual obligations to deliver physical gold and physical silver because the contracts were were binding lie to begin with, or rather were a binding lie to begin with, that they could always be reneged on these contractual obligations and give the people the nothingness that they truly owned in return. And that's really the story of MF Global. There's nothing there. He goes on and says, typically a strong hand rides out a temporary banker manipulation of gold and silver price downward. But bankers, by using the MF Global collapse, forced the rapid drastic liquidation of gold and silver. Longs and longs in the future market. In other words, they were forced, they couldn't just hold on to the paper and they'll take possession later. They just took it from them. So in this case, strong hands, if they existed at MF Global, were not given the opportunity, were forced to liquidate or had the accounts frozen, whether it was not their desire or such an outcome. Furthermore, if primary strong hands were forced out of the futures market, this would leave the majority of the volume of gold and silver markets primarily in the hands of criminal, in the criminal, criminal banking cartel. So in summary, what does this mean? He finishes, so in the future... And I mean immediate future now, he's saying today, 
I believe that large buyers of physical gold and silver will not opt to bypass the bullion, or rather will now opt to bypass the bullion bank's middlemen in the future markets, futures market and go directly to the gold and silver mining companies to buy large quantities of bullion. This should eventually help usher the death of futures market as a mechanism for buying physical gold and silver and be a step towards establishing a free market of gold and silver for the first time in our lives. Because there's no free market. There's no established price of it. We don't know the real value of, of silver or gold because they're not allowing it to go to where it would go to. We know it would be much, much higher now. And you were interrupt, I'll interrupt you, Frank, when you were saying that some of the people were talking 2012, I think you said 100, $150 an ounce for silver. Continue. Yeah, twelve to twenty-four months. Well, and it, it, it just logically, it's 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 blatant. If only two million ounces could come to the market today, and we've talked about this before, maybe a million for industry and a million for investor purposes. Totaling seven hundred million a year. Yeah, and and five hundred, you know, million is, and sometimes up to a billion ounces are sold. That means that per day, per the, day. Yeah, the guy on the other end with his own balances. Um, can just sell every ounce that's being bought. And so there's a purpose, perhaps, for the, the buyers or their hedgers or whatever purpose they have, but the purpose for the sellers is, is to manipulate and control the market because they can, because it's an abominable system. So, uh... And this, they, is, just, this is just one part of a little segment of this whole economic system, this whole system that judgment was cast against the World Trade Centers, which is a symbolic representation of our whole world economy and what's happened. is not real money, and people are making billions and becoming billionaires out of nothingness off the back of people who fall into the trap of thinking, well, I'll invest, or I'll do this, or I'll put my money here. The 401ks are taken. That's where your 401k is going. It's not disappearing. It's going to somebody's pocket. And so you need to understand this and see this. The only thing you can do is go to what's intrinsic in value. If you go to something that's intrinsic in value, that's the precious metals. Precious metals is gold or silver. We say silver. We struck the round for the purpose of making this distribute out later with people holding the miraculous metal that has no intention of even desire of something religious that can bring their conversion miraculously. Frank, explain to people how to get a hold of you. Okay, yeah, you can call us... Uh Toll free eight seven seven nine three six seven six eight six. You can also uh, contact us online at global by email at globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com and our website is globalsilverinvestors.com and uh, you know give us a call and we'll, we can talk uh, you know more about these things. I wanted to just end with one question and maybe can give a short answer for all those people who are calling in. Go ahead. Their question is. Silver is so low, we're scared. What do we do now? Well, they really need to re-listen to what I just read because that explains that this is not real. In other words, Frank's talking often about price discovery. What does that mean? Price discovery means is no one knows the real price of gold and no one knows real, the real price of silver. In other words, you can't have fiat money, which is money that's printed without something backing it. You know, I can't write a piece of paper and say I will give you $1,000 to somebody that doesn't know me 
and that I'm good for my word on a handshake if they let me borrow a two they have, as opposed to somebody that does have reputation. In other words, back in the dollar with silver or gold gives it a reputation that has a value because silver has intrinsic value. The fact that what this is saying that we just read about MF Global, what this uh, Jim fellow was writing, shows that the there's nothing backing the money. And the reason this is low is because they, they're they keeping it low. It's manipulated. It's not real. So the, the, value, the, the valuable lesson here is to understand that you've got what's real. It is, it's intrinsically value. When this crashes and when this game is over and we don't know when it's going to happen, we'll discover the price. So what does that mean? Okay, so if we had to go back to having our money backed, say if the government said, okay, we're going to back money to go, for the money that's been printed, the money that's out there right now, you'd back it up to the one ounce value of the of the gold or one ounce value of silver. If it was gold, it would take $57,000 bills that's printed to meet one ounce of gold. That's, the, that's up to the price discovery of what gold would be. Silver would be generally 10 times less than that. So it could be $5,700 per ounce. You think, oh man, the gold, the silver, I've already bought that, make me a multi-millionaire. You bet it will. But that's not what you're getting it for. You get it for conversion, and you get it to be honest. Our lady just says, have honest, let your eyes be honest. Don't say and long for, oh, I'm going to get rich. I want these people. I want to do this. I want to invest. You know, you're just holding your value. Some people buy land to hold their, what, the, they, they, they pass off $100,000 in the track of land that they want to sell later. You're storing that money in that. You're storing your money in the silver. And silver is a safe haven. Right now, it's not because it's part of the evil system that's, that's trying to wreck it. But they can't continue that. They cannot make what God made with value intrinsically. It's there. Cause, and it's not man-created. They can't take that away. So eventually, when this game's over, you've got it. If it doesn't, you still have something of value. It can't go worthless like the dollar will. Does that answer it, or is there anything you need to Perfect. clarify? No, thank you. Can I make one quick Go comment ahead, quick, on that? Quick, Frank. God, God is very, very good. And uh, our brothers, there's in the mystical body of Christ on earth is buying here. Give glory to God for the low price. There's going to be panic buying this year, and, and the price is going to shock people. If you can take advantage of this price, take advantage of it and give glory to God. This is, you know, um, this is very good for, for the future of the world. I can't say what Frank's saying. I can say part of what he's saying, that, that um, it's low. You buy. You're crazy for you not doing it, to be storing your money in anything else. Where it will go, I don't know. Um, everything indicates it can, but I don't make any promises or indication that. I'm saying it is, is for conversion. We're on the spiritual side of that. Frank can talk to you about the mechanics on the other side. So I encourage you to call him. And I don't procrastinate because procrastination does not work. So remember the commandments. Remember God's commandment, especially the one most violated today, the third. Remember thou keep holy the Lord's day. We wish you, Our Lady. We love you. Goodbye.
The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.